Hi, Christ community. I'm Margo, and this is my husband, Mark, and we have a few announcements for you today. First, prayer. It's such an important tool for us to be able to connect with God and others. So if at any time during the service you would like uh, some prayer, just go ahead and click, click request prayer uh, below, and one of our service hosts would be happy to pray with you right then and there. And anytime during the week, if you find yourself in need of prayer, make sure you check out our prayer page on our website. We have a lot of people on staff that would love to come alongside of you and um, assist you in that. So again, make sure you check that out if anytime during the week you need prayer. We also have a discipleship class going on right now called Understanding End Times. So if you've ever heard of the words millennium or uh, tribulation or rapture and you're curious about what that might mean, uh, we'd love to have you join us uh, for that class. It's, it meets every Sunday at 10, 10 a.m. in room 200 uh, or online via Zoom. The cool thing about this class is that they're standalone classes, meaning that you don't have to go to all of them to feel like you are in the know um, for that week's uh, class. So make sure that you check those out. There's a few more coming up. The last class is on Sunday, May 23rd. Um, so those are coming to an end soon. So get signed up. They're fun. At CCC, we believe that a child dedication is a great way where we can uh, have our families publicly declare that they want their children to come up to know Jesus Christ. And it's a great way for our church to rally around our families as well in, in raising up children that come up to know him. And so uh, we have one of those opportunities coming up uh, shortly. It's something that our family has taken advantage of and is really just a cool opportunity to be able to experience that with your church family. That's right. Child Dedication Weekend is coming on June 19th and 20th. But registration for that closes on June 6th. So make sure if that's something you're interested in or you'd like to learn more about, uh, you check out our website uh, for more information on that. Uh, we're so excited to be here with you worshiping today. Let's take a moment now and worship our King. We're so glad to have the opportunity, whether we're in line or in person, to worship together. So let's put our hands together.
His mercy is more. 
Thank you. 
you are and how much you love us. God, as we sing these songs, we're reminded of the great debt of sin that we have and that on our own, we have no hope. But God, we also rejoice because your mercy is always more. Father, we're so thankful for Jesus and his perfect obedience who endured the cross in our place, who took that debt that we owe upon himself and suffered the punishment that we deserve, Lord. Also that we can have life and be righteous and justified. Thank you for grace, Lord. God, I just wanna lift up the rest of this service to you, that your spirit would continue to move and that you would awaken our hearts to the truths in your word. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Since you guys are having a seat, would you help me thank the worship team for leading us today? So good to see you. Thank you for those of you who are here in person in worship, those of you who are joining us online. It's really good to be with you. My name is Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't met you personally yet, I'm really glad that we get to spend this time together today, this weekend, so thanks for being with us. Um, happy Mother's Day weekend to our moms. It's just, we're, um, we're really thankful for you. Y'all, that was a really, like that was a tepid round. I hope your mom isn't in the room right now. That, um, no, I, this is a, uh, it's a beautiful weekend. It's a hard weekend for a lot of people. Um, my mom passed away 14 years ago, so it's kind of a mixed weekend for me, and I know for a lot of you, but this is, it's an important weekend to honor our moms and the role that they play in our lives. And so glad we get to do that uh, together here in church. Um, we're wrapping up our series that we have been in. Um, what if he does? This is the last weekend for this series. You should not applaud for that. Um, all right, slow start. This is probably my favorite. Um, this is probably my favorite topic that we're talking about. Favorite promise that God has given to us. I'm really, I'm really glad that we get to talk about this together today. Um, I get to give you really good news, and uh, you walked in here maybe feeling or carrying something, and you could walk out of here totally free because of what we're going to talk about. So I'm really excited for our time together. So A.W. Tozer, who was a um, a pastor and an author in the early part of the 1900s, he, he made this statement, he said, what comes to your mind when you think about God is, is the most important thing about you? And, and I think he's right. I think what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us because, because who we believe God is and what our relationship with him is like and how he looks at us and relates to us, what we, what we think that is like deep in our heart, not just in our mind, but what we think what that is like deep in our heart, what he is like deep in our heart, that, that really sets the pace for how we live our lives. And so today, as we wrap up this What If He Does series, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you some things that the Bible reveals about God. And I've been thinking about these things. That, so for those of you who are brand new and you've, you've like, this might be your first weekend. Maybe mom's making you watch or mom's, you know, dragged you to church. This might be, like, this might be really new information for you about the kind of person God is and the kind of God that he is. If you've been around for a while, you, you probably, you know, like, you would shake your head yes 
with me the things that we're gonna talk about, but I know just from my interactions with a lot of Christian people, people who've been around, they may shake their head yes at these things that we're gonna talk about, but, but this information about who God is hasn't made it all the way down to their heart to a place that they can live from. And so my real hope for us today is that at this time that we spend together, this, this truth about who God really is makes it from our mind to our hearts so that we can, we can live free. So the Bible verses that I'm gonna be launching into this conversation from are, it's in Psalm 103. And I wanna read verses eight through 12 for you. If you've got a Bible and you wanna turn with me, love to have you follow along. We'll put these verses on the screen for you as well. Uh, David, who's the king of the ancient nation of Israel, wrote these words. He was a poet, he was a warrior, he was, the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. He knew the Lord. And because he knew the Lord, he could teach us some things about the Lord. And so from his knowledge of the Lord, from his experience of the Lord, he writes these words. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. This is a great statement about who God is, how he looks at us, and how he deals with us. And the part that I really want us to dial in on today is that last little statement there in verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's an incredible promise. That as far as the east is from the west, and you know, if you look at a map, like you start heading east, you never, you never go west. You're always going east. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has removed your sins from you. And when you grasp that, you get to live in freedom. Because most of us live under the weight of sin, with sin attached to us, feeling like somehow this is, like that God is still holding it against us. But as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. So I'd love to unpack that promise for you. So I wanna start with um, three things that stick out to me from this, these verses that we read. We'll talk through these a little bit and then we'll just explore together, you know, what, if, what could your life be like? <laughs> you know, what if he does? What if God really does remove our sins from us? And so this first thing that sticks out to me from these verses, um, there is a divine standard there's a holy expectation and we all fall short. So the psalmist, David, is, he's, not, he's not afraid to say like, that we have sinned. That is, like it just kinda lays it out there. There is, there's this divine expectation. There is, there is a standard that God has and we all fall short of it. Because the, the expectation, the standard, is the glory of God himself. You know, he created us in his image. We are to reflect his image to creation, to the world around us. 
He created us in innocence and he created us to reflect his holiness and his perfection. And we have all fallen short of that. The Apostle Paul wrote it in Romans chapter three, verse 23, says, for all have sinned, all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short of who God is, who he made us to be, of his standard for us. We, we fall short, and the other part about this is we know that we have fallen short. If we're honest with ourselves, Every human being who lives knows that, that there is some standard. They know this within themselves. They know, they know that there is a standard and they know that they have fallen short. And you know, Jesus told us that that's part of the role that God the Holy Spirit plays in our world is that he convicts the world, the people of the world of sin which is like our sinfulness of righteousness, of God's standard, and of coming judgment, of a, of a day when we have to stand and be held account for our falling short of this, of this divine standard, of this holy expectation. And so inside of us, we all have this, we have this awareness that we're not measuring up. And so we do some things with that. And I, I just made a list this week of these strategies that we have for coping with the awareness that we're falling short. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna move through these. I've got eight of them. See if, see if they resonate with you. So the, the first strategy, and I just, it's first because it's, it's my main one. Um, we try harder. We just try harder. If I'm, if I'm falling short, then I'm gonna try harder to see if I can somehow measure up. And I know from my experience, and those of you who, who this is your strategy too, like this doesn't work. You, you can try as hard as you want, but it doesn't work, and so you, you end up on this hamster wheel of I'm constantly trying harder and constantly falling short and continually aware of falling short, and it's exhausting. It's just exhausting, and so trying harder is, is one strategy. We, we get mad at God because he has a standard. How dare he expect something of us? Um, so who, who made him God over us? You know, I'm saying, like, but, but we do, if, you, if, you, if this is you, you know what I'm talking about. That, there, that this idea that there is a standard that you can't meet makes you mad. And does it just make you mad in general? It makes you mad in particular. It makes you mad at God that he would actually have a standard and that you are unable to achieve it. Um, we make excuses for ourselves and we make excuses for other people. We're, so we, we're falling short, but we have explanations and we have excuses and we have we have reasons, we have the things, these are, these are all, this is all the stuff, this is, this is why I continue to fall short, and if I can continue to point at something from the outside, maybe I don't ever have to deal with that thing that goes on in the inside, because you can point at those excuses all day, and it doesn't change, it doesn't change what you feel inside, that awareness that you, that you haven't made it to this, this standard, this expectation you haven't, you haven't measured up, and so, so we make excuses. Um, 
if you live in those first three for a little while, you can get to the point where you're rejecting the idea of a divine standard. You maybe get mad to the point where you say, listen, I, I refuse to believe this now. This, I thought that, I felt that, but I'm just, I'm rejecting that today. I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna embrace that anymore. I can't, I can't live with that weight on my shoulders, so I'm, I'm just gonna say no, it's not there. And you reject this notion of a divine standard. Um, we seek approval from other people because when you are continually falling short and you are aware that you're falling short and you, you're feeling that, you start to look other places for, for approval and sometimes it's in negative, destructive ways, and sometimes it's just in, like, I'm, other people are now my standard. I'm letting somebody else set my standard for me. Um, we create echo chambers. We put ourselves in little rooms where we're all saying the same thing and agreeing, and we, we, we don't talk about that feeling of falling short. We talk about how awesome we are. You know, we talk about how we've made it and how we're changing the world and how we're doing this and how we're doing that. We talk about it. It's, just, it's a humanistic approach of how we as human beings somehow are, like, now because we've locked this standard out and now we're just gonna, we're gonna celebrate how great we are. We create these little echo chambers and we set our own standard and aim for that. So if I could just set some, like I can't, that lofty, that standard that is, that is high, I can't get there, but if I, I'm gonna move the standard down here and if somehow I can achieve these things, I'll have those celebrations and maybe that will, maybe that will fill the emptiness that's inside of me, maybe that will, that will release the weight that's on my shoulders. Maybe that will fill me somehow. If we set our own standards, name for that. And then the other thing that happens in all this is we get really judgy with each other. We get really judgy with each other. Because if I'm not measuring up, and I'm aware of that about me, I'm for sure, like I'm gonna watch you and see where you may not be measuring up either, and I'm gonna make sure, if I'm gonna be miserable, you're gonna be miserable too, right? If we're, if we're gonna be in this boat, we're gonna all be in this boat together. And so we get really judgy with each other's in how we, in how we live out our days. And the thing about these, these strategies is none of them work. None of them work. They might, they might work for a minute. They might work a little bit. But they don't work. They don't, they don't answer the question, they don't, they don't solve the issue, they don't, they don't lead to freedom, they don't lead to life. They just lead to more of pursuing whatever kind of strategy that, that they don't, they don't lead to, they don't lead to, now I can walk in freedom, they just lead to more of the same. So, because when we think about God, that's one of the most important things that we think about. I wanna show you something about him from these verses and from a couple of other places in scripture that this is the part where I think if you're new to faith and you're just checking it out, this is a part where you may not have, you may not have heard this about God before. Um, and if you've been around, this is the thing that, like, you're gonna shake your head yes, but I'm gonna prod you for a little while as we talk through to to explore, like, have you, have you said yes with your head or are you saying yes with your heart so you can experience freedom? So this, this is just a true statement about God. Here it is, God is a forgiver. So you and I fall short of God's standard. We don't meet the expectation. We don't live up. And 
And what God is willing to do for you and for me is to forgive us for where we fall short. Psalm 130, verses three and four. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there's forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. If God, if God kept a record of sin and you have to stand before him, you can't stand before him. You and I cannot stand under the weight of our sin before the Lord. But God is a forgiver. With you, Lord, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, not just stand, but we could actually serve you. We can live in your presence. We can enjoy life with you. And this is because God is a forgiver, and this, like, this forgiveness flows from the character of God. This is the part that, I mean, I grew up in this stuff, and this, this took me into adulthood to, to embrace this. God is not he is not up in heaven waiting for you to mess up so he can smack you. He's not. He's not an angry guy looking for somebody to take his anger out on. He's, he's not vindictive. He's not, he's not, even, he's not judgmental. He is, he is gracious and compassionate and he is slow to anger and he abounds in love and with him there is forgiveness. Now you gotta know that God does not turn a blind eye to our sin, where we fall short, where we don't meet his expectation. God doesn't, he's not blind to that and he doesn't turn a blind eye to that, but his, his great desire is not to get you in that his great desire is to meet you and to forgive you. And this is worth pressing on because if, if your view of God is that, that he, is, he is angry or he is vindictive and he is gonna take delight in getting me, if, if somewhere in you that's your view of God, He's the last person that you want to see when you're aware that you're falling short, right? The, the last person that you want to be around when you're falling short is the person who is going to really lean on you over that and not help you in any way, but just get after you for it. And this is why it's such good news for us that God is a forgiver and that he does not, he does not delight in in punishing people for sin, he, does, he is not angry and looking for somebody to take it out on. Like That's not who he is. His heart is to, it's to forgive us. And I, I say that so that you know that when you're falling short, where you've fallen short, where you haven't met that divine expectation, you gotta know that God is a safe person to be with in that. Because he is a forgiver. His, his great desire for you is to receive and to experience his forgiveness so that you can walk in freedom. So the Bible, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, in this, in this subject matter of forgiveness, this is, this is probably the central statement in, in, the, in the whole Bible about, about God 
and about forgiveness and what that looks like for you and for me. So in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So all those other strategies for dealing with that awareness that you have fallen short, none of those work. The strategy that is, like the one that works is confession. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So in this falling short, being a person who sins, all that's, all that you and I have to bring to the table is, is confession. We bring confession to the table. So my personal Bible reading, I just finished today, I just finished first and second Kings. So they're in the Old Testament. They're accounts of the leaders of the ancient nation of Israel and of Judah. And there are, there are three different kings, and this really caught me off guard. I knew I was, we were gonna be talking about this this weekend, and so it kind of jumped off the page at me over the last few weeks. So I've read through this. There were three kings, and two of them, I mean, they were, they were so bad. <laughs> um, I mean, like in the second sentence, the summary of their life, it says they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they did not walk in the way of the Lord. I'm like, just, you know, whoever wrote the chronicle about them, these kings about them, whoever wrote this just, points out that these guys, they fell way short. And not only did they personally fall short, like they walked in idolatry, they walked in the way of the, of the pagan nations that were around them. And these were the kings, so not only were they personally involved, but they were also leading the people astray with them. So these guys have a lot of, they got a lot of blood on their hands. And so I, what I noticed though, as I read through this, um, one of these kings, his name was Ahab, and this is in 1 Kings chapter 21. The Lord confronted him and he humbled himself and the Lord relented. You know, God said, hey, listen, because you've done this, this is what I'm, this is, like, there's discipline coming for you. And, and Ahab, who is this, he was awful. Just, I mean, just by human standards, not, not, take the divine standard out of it. If you were to read the account of his life, you would go, oh my goodness, this guy. And and God was willing to relent because he humble. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he just like, that's just, this, this king, he, he got to experience that. Another king named Jehoahaz. This is in 2 Kings chapter 13. Again, another, another guy that you would, you read this, the kind of things he did and the way he led people astray. It's like, whoa, man, this guy, like somebody's, the Lord needs to take him out. And, and he had this moment where he, he repented and he sought the Lord's favor. And the Lord granted him and the nation reprieve from what was coming. It's, just, it's, it's mind-boggling that God is this way. And then Josiah, this guy named Josiah, he was a good king, but he stood on the shoulders of evil kings. And so as he came, came into his kingship, there's a lot of stuff that he was undoing and a, a lot of things that he was unaware of. And, and as, as his practices that fell short, as he became aware of how far those fell short, he, again, he just has this moment where he, he realizes who God is and what God expects and what he has done. And he, 
and he seeks and receives forgiveness from God. And, and it is, it's, it's the best news ever that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us our sins and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. So if for you and for me, and this, we fall short and we recognize that we fall short, if confession is the way we deal with this, what's confession? So, so the word that we read confess is in the New Testament, the language that was written, it was written in Greek, and so the word for confess, it's this really cool word, it's homo legeo, which means to say the same thing. So confession is this beautiful word, it's a beautiful word of agreement. So if, if we agree with God, if we confess with God. So I was, years ago, there's a story that ran in the San Diego Tribune. These two guys were on, they were on trial for um, armed robbery and an eyewitness took the stand. The prosecutor asked this eyewitness on the stand, so you say you were at the scene when the robbery took place? Yes, saw that. And you saw a vehicle leave at a high rate of speed? Yes, the witness says. And did you observe the occupants? Yes, two men. And the prosecutor said, are those two men present in court today? At that point, the two defendants raised their hand. Yeah, we're here, here we are. So you know, in the legal system, that's a confession. I did it, right? That's not all the way in a biblical sense. In a biblical sense, there is the there is the yeah, I did it. That's part of this. But the other piece, and this is critical, is it's that it's that willingness to agree with God about it. And this is work He'll do in you and for you. This is not something you've got to you've got to somehow like conjure up on your own of, of I've got to be able to to agree with God. In my mind, I I picture myself walking to God's side of the table. You know that to to walk into God's side of the table and seeing my behavior, my attitudes, my, and to looking at, at me from his perspective and looking at what, what I'm holding in front of him, what's between me and him, that weight that's on me, and looking at that from his perspective with, with a desire to, to adopt that. So, you know, so it's a, Lord, I gotta, I gotta see this from your view. Because that, that's the, for those of us who, who get stuck, we've got stuff going on in our lives that we can't get rid of. Stuff that, that we know is wrong. Stuff that's hurting us. Stuff that's hurting others. Stuff that if it grows is gonna hurt us and it's gonna hurt others. This is, this is the way to, like this is part of the path out. This is part of the path to freedom is, is seeing that stuff from God's perspective. So he'll let you see it from his perspective. What a gift. Because if all you can see is from your perspective, for, for all the reasons that you would list, even though that you know this is not something that is, is healthy and good, I'm, I still keep walking back to it. You've, you, if you don't see it from another perspective, you're just gonna keep going back. But if, God will, if you could walk to God's side of the table and he would give you the gift of seeing your sin from his perspective, there's, 
there's agreement that happens there. And, and so it's not just like, hey, I got this thing, Lord, and I know it falls short, but it's, I'm seeing this from your side of the table. And the really great thing about God is when in that moment, when you're willing to see it from, from his perspective and shake your head, yes, his perspective, he forgives you. And, and you may, 30 seconds later, be back on your side of the table talking yourself into all the reasons that you keep going back to this thing, and, and you come back, like, he's a forgiver. You know, he, he told us that 70 times we forgive, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Peter asked him, his follower, Peter asked him, how many times do I have to forgive my, forgive my brother when he sins against me? And, like it's just, just, we don't count that. We don't count the number of times, and that's, like, that's who God is. It's a, it's, as, as often as you need to come back to his side of the table, he's there, and he is, if you confess your sins, he is faithful. He is faithful to forgive your sins. That means he'll do what he says. These promises, all these promises, we are banking on the faithfulness of God. That he has said, I will do this for you, and we say, yes, Lord, please do this for me. God is faithful to forgive your sins, and he's just in doing it. He's right to do it. He's fair in, doing, in forgiving your sins. God is right and fair to forgive your sins because your sins were paid for by Jesus. So if you confess your sin, if, you'll see, if you will own it and see it from God's perspective, God is faithful and just to forgive your sin and on top of forgiveness is cleansing. He cleanses you from, purifies you from all unrighteousness. Like this is, this is this beautiful promise that God has given to us that when we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then this is the third thing that I get from those verses that we just need to know. Not only is there a standard when we fall short, not only is God a forgiver, but when God, when God forgives, uh, he forgives completely. He forgives completely. He's, he's not, um, I'll forgive you, but. He's not, I'll forgive you, maybe. I'll forgive you some. Or this is the 49th time. I'm not, like, that's not how he is. When he forgives, he forgives completely. Just a few more places where he, this, this point is made for us in the scriptures. Isaiah chapter one, verses 18 and 19 Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. This needs to be settled. Let's settle this. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be as white as snow, though they're as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Let's get this settled. There's forgiveness for you. And, and the Lord wants that to be something that is settled for you. Come on, let's settle this. You don't, have, you don't have to live, you don't have to live like your sins are somehow still attached to you, they're still hanging on to you, that God's still holding, you don't have to live like that because when God forgives, he forgives completely. Isaiah 43, verse 25, this is the Lord speaking. He says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake because he is faithful to his promises. So for his own sake, because he said this is the kind of God that he is, because this is the kind of God that he is, for his own sake, 
He will blot out our sins and remember your sins no more. That's the kind of God that I am. I'm the one who blots out your transgressions and remembers them no more, or what we read in Psalm 103 there at the end. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. When God forgives, when he forgives you, when, when you confess and receive his forgiveness, you are completely forgiven. He blots out your sins, he remembers them no more. The matter is settled from God's perspective. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes your transgressions from you. So what if he does, right? I mean, like, so, so this, this promise is astounding. That, that a holy and righteous God would look at people who were made in his image who continually fall short of what he created us to be and he says, I will forgive you and you can walk. Like, what if he really does that? What if he really forgives us and forgives us completely? So I got four things here. The first one, these are the easy ones. You guys, again, you have to do the harder work and talk about this amongst yourselves at home. The first one, you're clean. You're clean. You are a new creation. You could walk in newness of life. And some of you need to hear this, not just from me, you need to hear this from the Lord. Because I talk to a lot of Christian people who have confessed their sins. And, and they, they can't see themselves. It's like, they're sitting on God's side of the table and, and looking at themselves in their sin, but once he says, forgiven, it's like they run back or they run away from his perspective and can't see themselves from his perspective as someone who is clean. And, and if you have confessed your sins, God has been faithful and right and true and he has forgiven you your sins and he has purified you from all unrighteousness. You're clean. So could you just hear that from the Lord today, this weekend, could you just hear this statement that you are clean, you are a new creation in Jesus, walk in newness of life, freedom. You do, you do not have to be, you don't have to drag your sin. What's behind you is a brilliant quote from the Lion King, Pumbaa, the great philosopher and theologian. Put your behind in the past. Or as Timon translates, put your past behind you, right? If you have confessed your sins, God has been faithful and just and he has cleansed you of your sins and he has purified you from all unrighteousness. You are clean, you are a new creation in Jesus. Walk in that newness of life. Walk in that newness of life. Say no to dragging those sins around with you or looking at yourself as somehow God hasn't done what he promised he would do. Take him at his word that he has done that. Ask him to show you that. You, you, you see yourself from his perspective in the falling short. Ask him, ask him to show you his perspective of you now that you have confessed and received his forgiveness. You're clean. You're a new creation. Walk in newness of life. God has something more and he has something better for you. Okay, so here's the second thing. If he really does this, conviction is your friend. Conviction is your friend. Shame and condemnation are your enemies, always. 
but conviction is your friend. What conviction is, is conviction is from the Lord. And what happens is that God points out where you're wrong, and he'll call you out of it. That's what conviction is, that, that God will point out to you where you're falling short, and he will call you out of that. That's way different than condemnation or shame. Conviction is specific. God is, he shows you where you're falling short and conviction calls you forward. He's calling you out of that. Condemnation just rubs your nose in it. Can we just rub your, like, yep. Can we just rub your nose in this some more? Look, you did this. Let me just rub your nose in this. That's what condemnation is. And, and condemnation is never from the Lord. It can come from somebody else. It can come from your spiritual enemy. It can come from inside of you. It could have the voice of a parent or an authority figure. You could have somebody else's voice attached to it. Condemnation is just kind of rubbing your nose in. That's not from the Lord. The Lord says, hey, yep, you've fallen short here. Come on, come over here, come by me. Let's get this taken care of. Let's get this matter settled and let's go forward. Shame, shame is kind of lays right there alongside condemnation because condemnation and shame are both vague too. There's not a lot there's not a lot of specificity to it. If you try to sort right down to the bottom, all you get is this muddy pool of I don't know. Shame's about identity. It's, it's where it's, it's not just that you did something, it's you've become something. Like this is who you are. And, and the void, like shame is a real thing in our world. And you could believe the voices of condemnation and shame and live less than God has for you all your days. Or you could receive the gift of conviction where the Lord tells you where you're falling short and calls you out and forward. And when, when you hear the voice of the Lord, like that's the voice you're listening for. If, there's, if there are if there are voices of condemnation and shame rattling around in your heart and your mind, that is not the Lord, and you are in a spiritual battle. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Greater is the Spirit of God who lives in you than he who is in the world. If you're hearing condemnation and shame, you're in a spiritual battle, and you gotta stand and fight because God loves you, and he has more and better for you than what you're experiencing, and so he will... He will point out to you where you're falling short and he will call you forward. He's always about, hey, come close to me and let's go this way. Shame, condemnation make you wanna run and hide. Conviction says, hey, come on, let's go. Come on, come close and let's go this direction. And so conviction's your friend. Shame and condemnation remain your enemies. Third thing, confession. Confession to the Lord and to each other really is good for the soul. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us. And so that confession piece to the Lord, to agree with him, that confession piece is really important. It's really important. Not just to the Lord, though, to confess to other people. In James chapter five, it says, confess your sins to one another, pray for each other, and you will be healed. So some of us have got some stuff going on in our lives 
that we're continually confessing to the Lord and we're receiving forgiveness because he is that kind of God, but we can't seem to get out of all this and maybe your answer is, is confession to a friend, a Christian friend who will pray with you, who will pray for you, who's not gonna condemn you, who's not gonna shame you, who's not gonna judge you, who's not gonna tell your story, who's not gonna tell your secrets, a Christian friend who's gonna hear what you have to say and say, yeah, I'll be with you in that. Dark stuff that stays in the dark grows. When you open the door and let light shine in, light overcomes darkness. So some of you have been fighting some stuff for who knows how long. And again, you're, you're doing this between you and God thing. And so maybe the next step for you to freedom is to, to find that friend who will hear where you're struggling and be in it with you. They can't, they can't do it for you, but they can do it with you. And so some transparency and some vulnerability on your part, taking a risk, absolutely. What if they tell my secret? Well, I don't know. Your secret's gonna be out there in the light where light can shine on darkness and you could experience some freedom. Light, confession to the Lord and to a trusted Christian friend really is good for the soul. And then this fourth one, you can pay forgiveness forward. And I'm not gonna talk about forgiving other people today. That's like seven hours of sermons. And <laughs> Pastor Greg talked about it, I don't know, probably seven or eight weeks ago. So if you wanna hear a great sermon on being a person who forgives others, just go to the website and look back for Pastor Greg's sermon on forgiveness. But, but when you've received forgiveness, that that gives you a reservoir to draw from to be a person who forgives others. So, so today is really about experiencing who God is and what he wants to give to you in this, in this moment. So what I wanna do is I wanna, I wanna like, let us have a little prayer time together. I'm gonna lead you, or at least give you an opportunity to engage with your Heavenly Father. If you, if you brought something in here, you could, you could take big steps towards leaving it in this place today. So will you bow your head and close your eyes with me and let me kind of guide us through a minute of prayer. So you could start this little time, just maybe it's words of agreement or appreciation to God. You are compassionate and gracious you're slow to anger, you're abounding in love. Whatever words you'd wanna put on that to him. Now just to kinda get right down to it, you, I've been doing whatever I've been holding on to, whatever it is you've been holding on to, and Lord, I know you have better than that for me.
confessing this to you. Help me see it as you see it. Look at it for a second. Lord, I'm asking you for your forgiveness. Help me see myself as you see me. Lord, I'm gonna live into what you have for me. Father, if you kept a record of wrongs, <laughs> we're all sunk. But you love us. You have, you, have, you have paid for our sins through Jesus' death on the cross. He has won our life through his resurrection from the dead and we get to participate in that victory. So I know in this little bit, you won some really big victories in people's lives. Thank you for being the God who is with us, the God who is for us. We, we hope in you. We hope in you. Great is your faithfulness, O oh Lord. Thank you for being faithful to us. That is expressed to us and we receive it through Jesus. So we pray these things in his name, amen. Good to be with you guys today. Um, if, you, if you need to talk about any of this stuff, you can, those of you who are here, I'll be down here around front. Um, if you need somebody to pray with you during the week, you can email us here at the office. Those of you guys online, you can talk to the online host. Um, we'd love to kind of help you walk in some freedom, gain some freedom. It's a good thing that God has out in front of you as good days ahead. So it's been fantastic to be with you today. Thank you for being here in worship. And these guys who are here in person, you know the ushers will come dismiss you in just a minute. I love you guys. I'll see you next weekend.